Welcome to the Way Ministries Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the book of 2 Peter. We invite you to join us at 1 Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by the Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study. I want to thank everyone for coming out tonight to get a portion of God's Word. First and foremost, let's thank our Lord and Savior tonight for another day. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us another day of life and a purpose, Lord, and saving us from ourselves, Lord. Thank you for doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. We're eternally grateful. All glory and honor goes to you. I'd like to thank the people that are so faithful to the core of the ministry, one body, many parts. We need each other for this to function properly. If you have a cell phone, please silence it so it doesn't disturb tonight's service. And we will start with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, thank you for allowing us this beautiful evening, Lord, beautiful day of life, Lord, to gather together as your family, to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord. And put your name above all names, Lord, even our own. As all of us fight in our flesh to put you first in our lives, Lord, I thank you for your matchless grace and tender-hearted mercies to begin afresh every day, Lord. Let us always develop that holy amnesia, Lord, forgetting and forgiving everyone, Lord, like you forgive us. Help us to practice the First Corinthians 13 love when we tell someone we love them, we keep no record of being wronged, and we always encourage, Lord, and build people up, never to tear them down, Lord. We're just grateful for that, Lord, for giving us that new heart. And let us always study our Bible so we can let that new heart flow through us, Lord, and people can see you more and more and less of us, Lord, each day as we grow in your grace and knowledge, Father. We pray for the people that might not be feeling well or sick, Lord, that they have the opportunity to watch through the live feed, Lord, to get the message that the Spirit is trying to say to the church tonight, Father. And as always, let everything be led by your Spirit, Lord, and not our flesh. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen and amen. All right, we're going to stand and worship the Lord.
God is on the move, isn't he? Sure is. I like that song. Every time somebody makes a decision to step out in faith, and say, use me, Lord, here I am. God is on the move because he instills that in us to serve him. It's an awesome, awesome thing. Somebody gets that desire and chooses to serve him. Beautiful thing. All right, how's everybody doing tonight, all right? It was a little warm today. Wasn't too, too bad. It was a little drier than usual. It wasn't too humid, but I know I roasted a little bit today. Cooked a little bit. But here we are. It's nice and it's reasonable in here, though, right? Not too bad. All right, let's go to James chapter 5. Let's start there tonight. We are going to continue our study in Second Peter. Maybe we'll finish it. Maybe we won't. We'll see. It's all in the spirit. <laughs> Amen. All right, she got us in verse 13, but you know we have to go back to verse 7 because it starts there in the context of having patience and endurance, something that each and every one of us need to carry through this life, through this Christian walk. A lot of us become impatient and we lack endurance because we don't have the strength of the word in our hearts and we fall prey to a lot of lust of the flesh because of it. All right, verse 7. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. There's, there's a command. Be patient. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. It doesn't say you should or maybe it says you must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. Now you know it as well as I do. The way things are looking out there. Coming to the Lord is closer than it's ever been. Here it is in verse 9. Don't grumble about each other. Brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. You realize whenever you grumble about someone or talk about somebody, you're going to get judged for doing it. And God has put his heavy hand on you. Or you will be judged for, look, the judge is standing at the door. For examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. See, at the end, he ended up restoring him more than he ever had before. But he had to go through that storm in his life before he got it, like we have to go through storms in our life. But most of all, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth or any, anything else just say a simple yes so that or no so that you will not sin and be condemned. So we're saying, you know, don't make any, any oaths. Just say yes or no. Very simple. The power of prayer. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. It doesn't say are any of you suffering hardships, you should complain. It says no, you should pray. The world complains when it suffers hardship. Christians should never complain because it helps us develop endurance. 
So you know when you complain when you suffer hardship that you're still just a baby Christian and you just need to grow. That's what it is. That's what babies do. The babies, when they're going through something hard, they what? And that's what we do as Christians when we grow up. We start complaining when we get when we suffer hardships. Instead of saying, look, God's trying to mature me and grow me up. Now it says, you should pray. Are you any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. We've done this now, and it's been working really, really well. For a lot of people are getting help through that. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. So you have to believe it. That's what that's where you get the power. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So what's he saying here? A person who's living right and in God's will has great power in their prayer and it produces wonderful results. Big amen there. And how do I know this? Look what it says in verse 17 about Elijah. Elijah was as human as we are. And when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. So what he's saying, Elijah was just like us. No different. But he was faithful to the Lord and he believed what he was praying. And it came to pass. And any of us, if we really believe it, we will receive it. And he was no different than us. Then when, the, then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield its crop. Restore wandering believers. My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. So that's our job to what? Restore people, to get them back here. If they, if they fall, if they fall away. And it says it'll save that person from death. From what? We mean death. From spiritual death. It'll bring them back to life again and bring the forgiveness of many sins when they get restored and come back to the church. It's our mission to bring them back, not to say, oh, don't ever come back again. No, we know that the devil has them and we have an offer to get, get them back here. Now, some people might leave because they don't belong, but some people might just be leave because somebody gave them something false or some false teaching got in their head and they walked away from the truth. Because that could happen. Because there's a lot of false teaching out there. There's a lot of messages out there that'll feed the flesh and kill the spirit. Well, we're not here to feed the flesh in this church. In this church, we're here to kill it. So if you're looking to get your flesh um, um, to feel something, you're not going to get that here. You're going to get it crucified because that's what the Word of God tells us. To crucify our flesh. The only time we're really going to get goosebumps here is when it's cold. <laughs> you hear that all the time. Oh, I feel goosebumps. It must be the Holy Spirit. No, no. That's not, it's not, that's not how it works. I'm not feeling it. God's not a feeling. We already know that, right? Thank you. Your faith is what makes you well, not your feelings. Your feelings are very unreliable. If you're not, if you know, if you followed them all your life, you know how much trouble you get in because of it. All right, let's go to Second Peter, 
chapter 2, I know somebody already knows where we left off. We're almost at the end of that chapter. Yeah. <laughs> just don't you go back. Just keep going forward. All right. <laughs> yeah, we'll just we'll just stay in verse twenty. This is a this is a, um this is really really important. And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior, now that's not by having them. This is saying for people who actually know Him, have actually studied the Bible, have been coming to Bible study, and really know God. Then it says, and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than before. Because why are they worse off than before? Somebody that knows the truth and is more accountable to God now that they know the truth, so God's going to what? Chasing them even harder than anybody that's ignorant from it. That's why it's so important to stay on the path, not to get enslaved by sin again. The Bible says, I'm allowed to do anything. But the Bible also says not everything's beneficial, and you should never become a slave to anything. People use that freedom to what? Serve their flesh, and that's the problem. We're supposed to use that freedom to serve God. And that's where you get the wrong teachings to come in. And the false teachers will come in and say, yeah, just do whatever you want. You're going to heaven. God's grace covers it all. Sin it up. No, Jesus didn't have to die so you could keep sinning. He had to die so you could stop. You were doing fine without him dying. That doesn't even make any sense. If anybody with common sense would realize that Jesus didn't die so you could have the license to keep sinning. It's, it's false doctrine. It's a heresy that's being taught all over the churches. You got the legalism, and then you got the heresy of the grace, the grace to just do whatever you want. You're saved and going to heaven. Here's the way it goes. If your faith hasn't changed you, your faith hasn't saved you. It's just the way it goes. Now it says, enslaved by sin again, they're worse off than before. Look at verse 21. It would be better if they had never known the way to righteousness than to know it and then reject the command they were given to live a holy life. Now what church does not understand that when you get saved, your command is to live a holy life from now on? To stop sinning or something worse is going to happen to you. You won't get that message out in the churches that are 20,000 people. That you're going to turn from sin and live for God now. You're going to die. Oh, the place will empty out. Because that's the truth. It's right here in the Bible. The command we were given to live a holy life, separated life, they proved the truth of this proverb. A dog returns to its vomit, Proverbs 26, 11, And another says, a washed pig returns to the mud. Somebody says, well, they get cleaned up by God's word. They understand it. They get cleaned up by it, right? Then they go back in the pig pen of life again. A washed pig returns to the mud. That's what can happen. Can, can that happen to any believer? Yes, it can. You can make a choice to go right back into your sinful life again. That's one thing God never do is take away our free, cho free choices. Free will to do whatever we want. That's why it's so important to stay rooted and grounded and connected to a church body so that doesn't happen. All right, before we go on to the next chapter, let me reiterate on that now. Peter is speaking of people who have learned about Christ and how to be saved, okay, and have even been positively influenced by Christians, but then reject the truth and return to their sin or their sinful life again. 
These people are worse off than before because they have rejected the only way out of sin. The only way of salvation. Okay, like someone sinking in quicksand who refuses to grab a rope that is thrown to them. People who turn away from following Christ reject their only means of escape from evil's grasp. Luke 11, 24 to 26, and Hebrews 6, 4 to 6. All right, let's break into chapter 3. All right, moving right along here. We might just finish tonight. Everybody wants to. We'll see how we, see how we respond to the third chapter, though. Okay, let me um, summarize this a little bit now. Second Peter starts by clarifying ideas around the Lord's second coming. Okay, that's what this chapter is all about. Most expected the imminent return of Jesus because of intense persecution. Scoffers were creating controversy because it had not yet happened. Peter addresses the reasons and speaks of what will happen to the earth in its final days. He closes the letter reminding us to live holy and godly lives Looking forward to that day. Why we wait for that day, we become like Christ. As you can see, this book is as relevant today as it was in the days of the early church. Okay? It is full of practical advice and encouragement. Okay? May you be blessed and inspired as we read and study the book of Second Peter together. Okay, the day of the Lord's coming, verse 1. This is my second letter to you, dear friends, and in both of them I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember what the holy prophets said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth, and following their own desires. This is what's happening in the church today. They're mocking the truth and they're following their own desires. As a matter of fact, they're accepting the sin into the church now. The desires of the flesh are coming into the church where churches are getting divided now because of the LGBTQ crowd, this, that, and the other thing, and the rainbow deal and all that stuff. And we know that the devil twisted the rainbow for us to think, for them to think that it's pride. Gay pride, that's not what it means. It means that God will never flood the earth again. And the Satan has twisted that rainbow, even in Christianity, to think that that's acceptable now to let them in. No, we don't accept the sin. We accept the sinner. So that's why we can't even put that on the church, outside of the church because they'll think that it's okay to come in here and live that way still. And that's how twisted it is right now. It's not okay to live that way, and we're not going to accept it here. Can I get a big amen here? God created man, and he created woman for one reason and one reason only. So we can what? Reproduce and have more kids. You can't reproduce any other way. Now, let's keep going here. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desire. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? Is everybody saying, where is Jesus? I thought he was coming back. From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the worst 
the world was first created. Now listen, in the last days, scoffers will say that Jesus is never coming back and that judgment day will not come. This is why people are living the way they want right now. They think judgment's not coming and Jesus is not coming back. So they're living whatever way they want out there. Even Christians are turning away from the truth, following the deceptive spirits of doctrines of demons. But Peter refutes their argument by explaining God's mastery over time. Okay? The last days is that, listen, what it means, I want you to understand what the last days mean. The last days mean is the time between Christ's first and second coming. That's what the last days are. In between that, it's between the first and second coming. Thus, we, like Peter, live in the last days. We're living in the last days already. We just don't know when that day is going to come, but we're in the last days. We must do the work to which God has called us and believe that he will return as he promised. So what's our job? To get other people to come to Christ before he returns. Can I get an amen here? The people are not doing that. They're just living for themselves when they go out there. No one, listen, I got saved because I'm on a mission now. I am no longer living for myself. I live for Jesus. When I go to work today, I go to work for Jesus. And whoever's in front of me, I try to give them Jesus. If I can't talk about Jesus, I have to what? Act like Jesus to show them something different about me. That I'm a Christian, that I believe in Jesus. As a matter of fact, I, I, I found a, I got a wonderful testimony as I brought my car to the mechanic about one of the parishioners that come here. And um, they said, hey, that guy, you know, I'm not going to mention any names because it's not proper. He said, hey, that guy's different. He says, that guy that goes to your church, he's a different guy. And he was, I was like amazing. I was like, I didn't expect to hear that. But he, and, and, and he gave credit to the Holy Spirit. He said, the Holy Spirit changed me. But he's a different person. I, I just, I'm just saying, good. I'm not just hearing that when they're in church. Out in the world, they're living a different life. That's beautiful. Some people are getting this. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody's getting this. Because sometimes I spin my head and say, anybody really getting this? Are they just coming to church and living their own way when they leave? We're not supposed to leave the same way we came in. We're supposed to leave different. Changed. Renewed. And a big amen here. That was really encouraging to hear that, by the way. Yeah, I didn't, it just came out. See, it's always good. Instead of looking for it, it just comes. And God will exalt when it has to be exalted. Just when you, you know, you might be discouraged, or I might have been a little bit, you know, heavy on my heart, that wondering if the message is reaching anybody. And then you hear that and say, yeah, I'm going to get on fire even more now. If I can get one, we can get another one to live that way and show Jesus. But he gave credit to the church. You see, because the church was preaching truth that was changing his life. That's, what, that's the beauty of it. So when the message is right and the truth is there, people can and will change. Amen. Look at verse 5. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command. You realize God is so powerful that he spoke this world into existence. He says, let there be light, and there was light. Let there be water, and there was water. Let there be day, and there was day. Let there be stars, and there's stars. That's how powerful the God of the universe is that lives inside each and every one of us. So how can we say we don't have enough power to overcome sin? We have the power that keeps this whole world together, the universe together, inside of us. 
to protect us from sin. And how can we say we don't have any power? We got more power than we never imagined. We just haven't unleashed it yet. But we don't believe it. That's the, what's the biggest thing? We don't believe it because we don't feel it. I don't feel God's power. I feel defeated. That's just what the devil's going to try to do. Make you feel defeated. But you're, he's already defeated. Listen, devil, what are you trying to do? You're a slippery serpent. Get away from me. You're dead to me. Beat it. And that's what you have to do. You have to fight back. Or else you're going to fall prey to what's not thinking about. Hey, yeah, you know what? Jesus didn't come back yet. And I am full in this. And you start what? Getting doubtful. What is, what, what, what's the first thing that happened in Eve's mind? He created a doubt in her mind. He didn't really say that you would die. He's, you really become more like him if you, if you eat it. So what did he do? He deceives. And what does he do? He deceives believers too. By chasing after lies. Saying, I can't do it, I'm just weak. Yeah, you very you are very weak in the flesh. But in the spirit, you can do all things. You're more than conqueror. A conqueror is not an emotion. People don't conquer other nations in war by feeling it. They put it into action and they do it. And they believe it. They, when, when, when somebody goes out to get a victory, they believe that they already have the victory. That's why when people win a war, they already know that they, they already have the victory, so they go and do it. Because they got God has they got their back. They're encouraged and they move forward. Look at this. And, and, and look at it says. They deliberately forgot that God, verse 5, made the heavens long ago by the word of his command, and he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And this, by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. That's pretty scary. You know, you know there's, there's so many people out there right now that are so ungodly, they mock God. They use his name in vain. They say all these things about God, they don't understand what's coming because of it. Ungodly people are going to be destroyed by fire. Now listen up. In Noah's day, the earth was cleansed by water. Okay? That's what he did. He flooded the earth. Right? At the second coming, it will be refined by fire. So what's the two worst things that you would ever want in your life to happen to you? You'd not, never want to drown, that's torture, and you'd never want to burn. Just imagine catching fire and burning to death. The two most frightening things the power of heaven controls. He controls the water and he controls the fire. I guess I, I would rather be like on his side when, when that fire comes down. Hopefully we'll be taken out of here, right? Bye. People would say, hey, what about me? I, I've been trying to tell you about him for years. You don't want to hear it. Now it's too late. There was a, there was a movie, y'all. I think it was... I don't know if it was about, uh, it showed the people leaving and some staying. I forgot what the name of the movie was. Left Behind, yeah, Left Behind. 
It was like people were sitting there, everybody was just having a you know, regular life, and then all of a sudden, the guy next to him was still there. One guy was gone, this guy was gone, and the other people were still there, and judgment was coming. Oof. You try to tell people, but they just don't believe it. They don't think it's coming. Always coming. Okay. The second comment that we find by fire, John describes this fire in Revelation 19, verse 20. Okay? And verse 20, 10 to 15. Peter does not say that everything will be burned into extinction, but he does say that God's command, all sinful people, will be destroyed by this fiery judgment. Judgment by fire, Isaiah 66, verses 15 and 16. And that just, that, when I hear about, I, like, I don't want anybody to have to go through that. You, you know, especially family members that don't believe. So, well, I don't want my family to burn. I want them to come to heaven with me. All right, whatever I got to do to get them there, I'm going to do. And so what do I do? Every day I pray. For my kids, my family, that they all really be believe and come to faith. So when that day comes, they're coming with us. It's pretty scary, you know? Now look at verse 8. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord. And a thousand years is like a day. When he said the Lord, like he said, it's the last days. <laughs> it was 2,000 years ago that was mentioned. Okay? The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. Look at what he's doing. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. See? He wants everybody to what? Turn from evil and go to him. That's why... That's why he hasn't come back yet. He's giving people time to change and turn around. Thank God, right? Because I want people, some people that, that are not believers to believe. I want to give them, I want, I want them to come to believe before he comes back. Like I don't want anybody to be left behind. If you have the heart of God, you don't want anybody to be left behind. You know, you want everybody to get out of here. You want them all to find it and you know, Okay, now before we go on, God may have been seem slow to these believers as they face persecution every day and long to be delivered. See, that's what, in the day Peter was talking about, these people were being persecuted so badly that they wanted God to come back so they can get out of here. Why aren't you coming back? Why are we going to suffer so much down here? You see? But God is not slow. He is simply not on our timetable. Okay, Psalms 90 verse 4. Jesus is waiting so that more sinners will repent and turn to him. We must not sit and wait for Christ to return, but we should realize that time is short and we have important work to do. You have to realize that you're saved to, to, for an important reason. You have important work to do, to bring others to Christ. Not to live for yourself anymore. That has to go. Be ready to meet Christ anytime, even today, yet plan your course of service as though he may not return for many years. So you just, every day you go out, say, all right, I'm on a mission field, wherever I go. I go to work, keep showing Jesus, 
Keep showing Jesus. Never giving up. Keep showing Jesus. Somebody's going to end up in heaven because of it. Can I get an amen here? But if you keep showing your flesh, right, you could be a hindrance when people not coming. The evil flesh keeps people out of the kingdom. Here we are, Christians, saved by God's grace. He loves us unconditionally, wants our flesh to die so we can bring others into the kingdom, and we keep our flesh alive out there and keep people out of the kingdom. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to answer for that. That should be, give you enough fear to say, I'm going to stop. I'm going to start smarting up and stop using my flesh and start using my spirit that I'm supposed to be using so I don't have to get judged for it. Because you're going to get judged for it as a Christian. When you go to meet him, he's going to say, what's wrong with you? And your flesh, people didn't want to come to church because you were just condemning everybody and screaming at them and complaining about everything. Is that what you want to hear when Jesus, when you go to face Jesus? Or, well done, my good and faithful servant. You did what I called you to do, to be obedient. And listen to what I tell you to do. And if it's convicting you right now, I hope it is good. Turn around and stop doing it. Repent and turn around and say, I'm going to live for God today. And I'm going to keep my mouth shut and bring people into the kingdom like my job is supposed to do. That's what he gives us grace to do every day. So if you're not doing that, guess what? Tomorrow's a new day. You're going to another shot at it. Don't say I'm a failure. Say, no, I'm a victim. Tomorrow I'm going to show them that I can do this. I'm going to show them Jesus tomorrow. That's what his grace and mercy is all about. All of us have days like that. When we don't want to talk about Jesus, we don't talk about nothing. We're not to, the, the, the Christian life is not to get beat up, it's to get built up. But you've got to get built up, you've got to get torn down. Say, look, I'm doing something wrong. I've got, to, I've got to stop doing that. I've got to stop living for Jesus and what? Showing him what I have. That I live for him and not for myself anymore. I need to prove to myself that I'm saved. Because when you're saved, you want to live for God. You don't want to live for yourself anymore. Because that's what you're, you're saved from yourself. The gift of salvation is the gift of what? Being free of you. And what's the evidence of salvation? A changed life. Not how many times you come to church or read your Bible. A changed life is the evidence that you are saved. That's the evidence. So don't fool yourself. Now, look at verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as expectedly, unexpectedly as a thief. So, we could be sitting there right now, right? Not even expecting it. That's what's going to be happening. People are going to be getting married, having fun, doing all these cool things. And he's just going to show up. It's going to be over. That's how it's, going to, it's not going to be. We're going to be ready for it because we're going to see the times at the times. But that time when it does happen, it's going to be like... Like a thief in the night. Says it right here. But the day of the Lord will come as expect, unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. Listen, think about the noise that was going to happen. They call it a perusia. This is going to be an event that takes place where the whole world can see it happening. They call it a perusia. It's, a, it's an, a supernatural event that's going to take place. The heavens are going to open up. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Or other manuscripts read, will be burned up. One earlier manuscript reads, will be found destroyed. Now look at verse 11. Now, here's, now you're going to hear this right now, right? 
They're going to be, God's going to enlighten you right now what it says in verse 11. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, we should live it up because tomorrow we die. Oh, wait a minute, it doesn't say that. It says what holy and godly lives you should live because of that, knowing that. It doesn't say, oh, you know what? Live it up. Don't worry about it. That's what the prophets, that's what the false prophets were telling the people of Israel when they were sinning. Don't worry. Peace and prosperity. Keep on doing what you're doing. God is not going to judge you. And what did they want to do to Jeremiah? They threw him in a cistern because he said, no, you're going to get judged. You're going to die. Especially in Peshur's face. Peshur, you're going to die. He wanted to kill him. So that other prophet, it's always, he's, he always teaching, he's always saying something negative. That was the one that was telling the truth. The other ones were lying. Getting hold of everybody's money. And this is the same thing now, right? You got this little white church on the corner, right? Teaching truth. When you got thousands of churches out there teaching lies. Same thing. And it's the truth that will set you free. What are you free from? Free from you. Free from judgment. Thank God. Okay, so what godly life you should live, it says in verse 11. All right, now listen. The day of the Lord is the day of God's judgment on the earth. Listen now. Here Peter is speaking of Christ's return. Okay, Christ's second coming will be sudden and terrible for those who do not believe in him. Okay, but if we are in a right relationship with God, we will be ready and won't be surprised. Okay, the, the day of the Lord, you can always see that in Isaiah 34, 4, he talks about it. Joel 3, 15, Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, and Revelation chapter 6, verse 12 to 17, talks more about the day of the Lord. Back in the Old Testament, they wanted the day of the Lord to come. And they're saying, you do not want the day of the Lord to come the way you guys are living. God's going to destroy you. They thought because they were children of Abraham that they were safe. But they were living like the devil. There's people that come to church now. I believe in Jesus, but live like the devil. It's going to be the same thing. People just don't get that. You can't continue to live like the devil and be a saved Christian. The, the, God will always chase you and bring you back and break you. There's no way you can do that. A big amen there. Ain't you glad? Let me tell you something. If you don't get convicted when you sin, you're in a bad place. When you do something wrong and you don't feel any conviction for it or the Holy Spirit in your heart telling you that's wrong, you're in a spiritual, you're in a real bad place where you could be shipwrecked and turn away from this and get real problems. All I know is this. Whenever I start thinking wrong, it's like, oh, man, what's wrong with me? I say it all the time. Them evil, they come into my head. I'm like, I'm fighting with myself in the car. So what, I'm praying. I'm like, what's going on here, Lord? And, and, and I understand. Like, I can't stand it. I can't stand what goes on into my head. While I'm, like, nobody else sees it. It's me. I see it in myself, and I, I can't stand it. I hate me. The sin that I think in my head, I can't stand it. It just won't, it just, it just keeps coming back. Because I fell prey to it. I understand whenever you fall into sin, you'll always have to fight that for the rest of your life. That's why God hates sin. So if you don't fall into it, then you won't have to, fall, have to fight it for the rest of your life. And how deep you go with it is another thing. Okay. 
All right, so realizing that the earth will go through fire, we should put our confidence in what lasts eternally and not be bound to earthly treasures or pursuits here. People still want everything here as Christians. I want to get this, I want to do that, I want to go here, I want to go there. We should be getting ready to go to heaven, never mind all the stuff around here. It's going to be burned up anyway. That should not be a desire in a Christian's heart to want everything that the world's got to offer. The Bible says not to love the world or the things of it. Because that's not from God. That's from the devil. He's the one who controls the world and makes our flesh want to go see everything and do everything that the world offers. And that's what takes us away from God. You can't have both. You'll love one and hate the other. You see, God's stopping me from having a good time down here. I want to pursue everything down here. God's stopping me. I can't go to church and Bible study. I can't even enjoy my life anymore. That's the devil. Yeah, I'm getting too churchy. I'm getting too churchy. I need to like stop that a little bit, and you know, I'm getting a little too like Jesus. <laughs> I want a little bit of the devil in me right now. So let's go away and do something. I need a break. Well, if you say you need a break from this, you're in trouble. Trust me. You're already your heart's already in a bad spot. It's in a bad spot. <laughs> All right, let me ask you this. Do you spend more of your time piling up possessions or striving to develop Christ-like character? What do you do with your life when you're not here? Do you what? Try to get more possessions and get better here? Or are you striving to develop a Christ-like character when you're not here? That's what you should be striving for as a Christian. Become more like Jesus. Look at verse 12. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day... He will set the heavens on fire. Listen to what's going to happen. The heavens are going to be set on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth he has promised. A world filled with God's righteousness. You realize the world is going to be filled with Jesus's. It is. That's, that's God. Everybody's going to have Christ-like character. There's not going to be one sin in anyone's thoughts anymore. We're going to come down here. We're going to, when we, we go out, every day is going to be bliss and joy. No hate, no sin, no aging, no nothing. Freedom of all that. So what is he going to do first though? He's going to destroy all this and build it up again. But just imagine, just imagine a day like this. Just having one day like that. When you get up in the morning and Christ is there the whole day, wherever you go, just imagine everybody you run into, everything you do, not one sinful thought, not one lustful thought, not one hateful thought, nothing, all love. Everybody just loves each other. Just like that movie we see, right? The Bemacy, see? And everybody's just worshiping the Lord, loving Jesus. Every day they get up and worship him and then just go out for the day. And live a beautiful life forever. Just by accepting him as your savior. Who wouldn't want to take up on that? Why, if you think about it, why do people reject that? Who wouldn't want that? It's the devil who blinds their mind. Saying, if you come to Jesus, you're gonna, everything's going to get taken off you that you have here. You're going to lose your house, your car. You're gonna, no, no, you're not going to lose any of that. 
You're going to lose the desire for it, is what you're going to lose. You're not going to need any of that anymore. You have your means, your needs met, right? You go to work, you have a car. But it's not going to be a pursuit. I want oh, a better car. I want a better house. I want a better job. Oh, better, 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 better. Well, you're saying, no, I'm content where I am. Don't make me too poor where I have to steal or too rich where I walk away. Just keep me right where I need to be so I can live my life for the church, serve you, and then go home and be with you. I'm content with that. That's beautiful, right there, just having content. It says, godliness with contentment is great wealth. Because we brought nothing into the world and we can't take anything with us. So just think about it. None of that makes you content. Having a big house, a big thing. All you want to do is show it off. Gives you pride. Look what I accomplished. It's vanity. We, we just read Ecclesiastes, didn't we? What did he say? Solomon had everything. He did everything. He said, it all came up to zero. He said, what did it all come down to? Fear the Lord and obey his commandments, because that's everyone's duty. Okay. God does not desire to destroy all creation, but to recreate everything as it was originally meant to be. Isaiah 66, 22, Revelations 21 and 22. God will purify the heavens and earth with fire, then he will fill them with his new creation. We can joyously look forward to the restoration of God's good world. What's he going to bring it back to? The Garden of Eden again. You realize the Garden of Eden, they didn't have to eat or drink or anything like that. They were spiritual beings already. The curse was them having to what? Drink water and eat food and have to sustain their life down here. Before, the, before that, they didn't have, have to have any of that. They were living as spiritual beings. Eternal. Till the sin. As soon as the sin creeps in, now the world. You'll be toiled to make a living for the rest of your life. What a drawback. Now, look at verse 14. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in whose sight? In God's sight. So what church is teaching that right now? What does it say? While you're waiting for God to come back, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in His sight. Now that's something you have to do. It says make every effort to be found living peaceful lives and that are pure and blameless in His sight. Now, we should not become complacent and lazy because Christ has not yet returned. Remember the Thessalonians? That's what they were doing. They said, oh, you know what? He's going to come back anyway. So they were all quitting their jobs. They weren't doing anything. They were wait oh, he's coming back. So they quit their jobs. They were living just waiting for him to come back. <laughs> we should eagerly, instead, we should eagerly expect his coming. This powerful hope encourages us to please him each day. We should make every effort to live faithfully for him. This will help us live peacefully with others. What would you like to be doing when Christ returns? When he comes back, what do you, what do you want to be doing? Fighting with your husband when he comes back? Complaining about the neighborhood? Griping about people? Is that what you're going to do when he comes back? Are you going to be like, I've been waiting for you, Lord. I've been trying to keep my mouth shut and live peacefully. Thank you. I'm finally here. Are we going to put our head down and say, wait a minute, Lord, don't come back yet. I'm not done arguing with somebody. 
I'm not done. I'm not done fighting with my husband. Hold on. Go back. I'm not done yet. <laughs> All right. Let's finish. We're almost done here. Let's hang in there. Let's finish this. <laughs> and remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. Here it is right here. Speaking of these things in all of his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand, and those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different just as they do with other parts of Scripture, and this will result in their destruction. And he's talking about the grace message, how they twisted it to their own destruction, not changing, not living godly, living whatever way they want, saying that God's grace covers it. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Peter's final words. You already know these things, dear friends, so be on God. Then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Because you know what? That sounds good. When somebody tells you, don't worry, God's grace covers it. Do whatever you want. Sit it up. Who wouldn't want to do that? Well, listen, heaven too. What Bible are you reading? No, that has to go. Don't worry about your sin. You're going to heaven. You're saved. How are you saved if you're still living in sin? Doesn't even make any sense. Saved from what? No. Rather, instead of that, you rather must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So while we're waiting for Him, what are we supposed to be doing? Growing in grace and knowledge. Not living sinful lives. It says it right here. Doesn't it say it? Rather, you must grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Because in verse 17, it says, Not carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. So if you listen to that long enough, you're going to fall into it and what? Get destroyed because of it. Instead, you must grow in grace and knowledge. What is it saying? Get in the Bible yourself and read it, and you'll know that that's not what it means. All glory to Him, both now and forever. Amen. Man. Now, we just finished it, but let me just finish now. Peter concludes this brief letter as he began by urging his readers to grow in the grace and knowledge of their Lord and Savior. He told them in the beginning and at the end of this message, right? Jesus Christ, that is, they were to get to know him better and better. This is the same way we can discern and combat false teaching. Okay? The better we know real Jesus, the less likely we will be deceived by any false teaching about him. No matter where we are in our spiritual journeys, no matter how mature we are in our faith, the sinful fallen world will always challenge our belief in Jesus. We still have much room for growth. Every day we need to draw closer to Christ so that we will be prepared to stand for truth in any and all circumstances. I'll put a big amen there. So we just finished the book. All right, how's that? Thank you, Jesus. All right, we're going to close tonight, and then we're going to watch a video. Wayne, you want to come up and close us tonight? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord, thank you for this beautiful message we heard tonight from Pastor John. 
Lord, bless this ministry. Bless all the people in this ministry, Lord. Keep them rooted in the word. Keep us safe from all the schemes of the devil, Lord. Yes, Lord. Lord, please bless this church. Let the parishioners stop being cheerful givers. We've got a lot of things going on in this, in this church, Lord. This church was ready to close, and now we're, it's being reborn by the pastor and all the people in here that work hard every Amen. week, that come here and work hard and give all their dedicated time to you, Lord. We do it for you, Lord, and only for you, Lord. And I say all these things in your holy, precious name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, brother. All right. We're going to close and watch a video.